John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Game Podcast, John. Oh, the High Game Podcast. I love it. Where are we recording from, John? Two different, unique basements in beautiful West Seattle, Washington. Dual bunkers. Dual bunkers. <laughs> the twin bunkers. Yeah, yeah. They're like not a quarter of a mile apart. They're pretty close, these two bunkers. A matter of blocks. You could start digging from your basement, dig down. Yes. And I could start digging over. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And we could connect our bunkers up. Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> it would be pretty sick. The twin bunkers connected with the drug tunnel? Yeah, we could run drugs back and forth to each other. <laughs> I smuggled you in this kombucha, Ed. I would drink a CBD beverage. Like, I've had those. So, yeah, smuggle me some CBD oils and <laughs> that'll be great. Yeah, in our sweet, sweet tunnels. Yeah, drug tunnels. That would be great. They don't ride on like that anymore. They don't ride on like that anymore. Beverages. Beverages. Little snippet of the breakup song by Greg Kinn. Do you remember that? I always liked the beginning of that. How's your beverage game today? Oh, my beverage game? Is it strong? After last time, I think we generally agreed that Orca is the way to go, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, I had some maybe disparaging words for your choice of beverage. You had the brownie caramel cream root beer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So today, I have the brownie caramel cream root beer. Oh, really? Have you ever had it? I have never had it. Oh, they're great. I thought, you know what? I can't be talking about this stuff like this. Yeah. Unless I myself am willing to try it. A flavor deep dive. 
Okay, here we go. That is really good. Duh. That is super duper tasty. I think the caramel comes out. I like caramel. I thought you didn't. I like caramel. I don't like butterscotch. You're all weird. I don't know what your deal is. But it's good. You're into it. That's a lovely beverage. I also went with an orca. Oh. I have uh, Lemmy Sparkling Lemonade. <sighs> it's uh, made with real lemon juice. And it's got a pretty dope 1939 label on it. Since 1939. Lemmy Sparkling Lemonade. So good. Orca Beverages. Muckleteal, Washington. Have we heard anything? No, I totally did not send an email to Jan. Today I will send an email to Jan at Orca Beverage and wish them well. And We want to know that the Orca dudes are doing okay. Yeah, absolutely. We're concerned. We're mainly concerned with where our fucking beverages are. Yeah. But yeah. we're concerned. <laughs> you know? I mean... <laughs> Like, I'm concerned that something must have happened because I don't have any beverages on my doorstep. I imagined in my head like three, four, five cases of cock and bowl stacked up on my porch. Right. To be fair, I did not follow up with Jan. I sent her one email, but that was at the beginning of this global nightmare we're in. Yep. What kind of guitar is that? This, Ed, is going to be very fun. This is a Kalamazoo guitar. Uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yep. Pre-Gibson. No, this is Gibson. The Kalamazoo brand is a Gibson brand from the beginning? Yeah. I did not know that. It actually started in the 1930s. The Kalamazoo brand. Yeah, Gibson was using it for their budget instruments at the time. Arch tops and banjos and whatever. No kidding. I totally thought it was one of those buyout deals where they bought the Kalamazoo brand. At the time, in the 30s and 40s, budget meant that instead of, say, perloid inlays mm -hmm. on the headstock and the fretboard, those might be silk screened on there instead. Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. After the 40s, they killed it until... They killed the brand? The brand. Okay. Yeah. So Gibson, mm -hmm. purveyors of fine guitars oh, sure. out there in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, the Les Paul? Lovely. Come on. Ed loves him, the Les Paul. Mm -hmm. So in the 60s, early to mid 60s, we know from the historical record, the histories, that the rock and roll was getting really big and the surf and the Beatles and guitar music in general. Sure. So there was this massive entry level market that just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Every 10 year old kid wanted a guitar for Christmas. And we know that there were people filling these holes like the Chicago Boys, the Harmonies and Silvertones and all of that. And then Dan Electro gets into it. Eventually the Japanese guys are making all kinds of stuff. So why would Gibson be any different? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Would they? No. No. They make a decision to revive the Kalamazoo brand name. Okay. And they think, let's make an entry level example that the kids can afford or the kids' parents can afford. Sure. We'll call it a Kalamazoo. I think that's a great idea. So that's what they do. And I'm holding a KG2A. Very simple. KG just means Kalamazoo guitar. Okay. Two means two pickups. And the A denoted a vibrola tailpiece. You know, the whammy banger. What's the designation again? KG. KG-2A. What's the A designate? Vibrola tailpiece. A for vibrola. Exactly. <laughs> 
that's what totally threw me off was like you know a for vibrola yeah okay this is the funny part it was shaped almost exactly like a fender mustang what year is this 65 oh okay so the mustang was out yeah and these were made in kalamazoo at plant number two on ransom street Ooh, cool i went to the interwebs yeah because I was thinking, oh, man, somebody got kidnapped and then held for ransom, and there was, like, knife fights. I was really looking for that great story about Ransom Street. It's named after Epaphroditus Ransom. I don't think people use that name nearly enough. Epaphroditus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he had the distinction of being the seventh governor of Michigan. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so there you go. They named a street after him. Sure. Our man Epaphroditus? Oh, no. What happened, John? Uh, he died in 1859. <laughs> he's, he's been gone a little while. A little bit. This guitar has a maple neck that's very nice. Okay. Uh, six on a side tuners, two single coil pickups, two tones, two volumes, and a pickup selector slider switch. Okay. And this example that we got from Uncle Frank over there at ThunderRoadGuitars.com does not have the vibrola. It appears that at some point in history, somebody took it off. That was probably not a terrible idea. I think it's probably a good idea to just leave it as a hardtail. Sure. Here's a neck. Here's a bridge. As you can hear by the humming, it's, it's got some little noise. <laughs> really well so how did they keep costs down ed cheaper bodies maybe uh is it a bolt-on yep it's a bolt-on yeah that's cheaper the pickups and the pick guard exact same as a melody maker yeah this is me going back maybe in history a little bit ed okay we're gonna go back in history we're gonna take a little detour <laughs> ed back to the time of thomas edison <laughs> Okay. What are we doing there, John? <laughs> there was a guy. Okay. Who was a protege of Thomas Edison? Sure. William Horatio Mason. Oh, no. Oh, no. He died in 1947. Horatio's not a name you hear a lot anymore either. No. I just looked over and I was getting ready to grab my Lemmy Lemonade. Yeah. I noticed that it has a slogan on it that I didn't see on the main body. It's up on the neck. What is it? Let me have a lemmy. That is so great. It makes me want to just double check my brownie. It says, drink brownie. <laughs> <laughs> At least it doesn't say like chug. <laughs> Gobble. <laughs> Nuzzle. <laughs> yeah. So our man Horatio. He was a Virginia cat and ends up being uh, an engineer. That's how he gets in good with our man Tom Edison. But somewhere along the line there, Bill marries into a wealthy lumber family. Oh, sure. The lumber family has holdings primarily in Wisconsin. Okay. And so by dint of marrying into some wood, Bill Mason becomes fascinated with wood. Okay. He becomes particularly fascinated with waste. Did you know, Ed? <laughs> Little data I'm throwing out there for the viewers. I love data. About logging in America around the turn of the 20th century. Did you know that when they logged trees, 25% of the tree was left in the forest. Another 40% of it was wasted at the mill. 40%? Yeah. And 12% of any finished products they made, like planks or whatever, 
were wasted as sawdust. Huh. So our man, Bill Horatio Mason, inspiration strikes him. Yeah. He makes a high-pressure steam thing. Let's call it a container, a cylindrical container. Okay. And he loads it up with a bunch of wood shavings and wood chips and just shitty leftover wood crap. Pours a little water in there. Okay. And then he cranks up the steam really high, and then he's got a release valve on this thing. Mm-hmm. As soon as you hit that release valve and the cold air streams in, the change in temperature is so violent, it just rips the wood apart. Rips it apart physically. Physically rips it apart. Okay. And so now he's got this slurry wood shit, and he can press it together, and the lignin that's in the wood binds to itself, and whatever you mold it into becomes stronger than the original wood itself ever was. Got it. You know what he calls it? Fiberboard? Press board? Uh, plywood? Masonite! Yes. Our man has invented Masonite. <laughs> Great. So now I'm going to fast forward a little bit, Ed. <laughs> okay. Let's say it's the 1930s now. Okay. Everybody loves the Masonite. Sure, sure. And everybody loves molding it into shapes and doing stuff. Crazy shit. A company called Bemis. I don't know if you know them. Penis? Bemis. B-E-M-I-S. Okay. They're in Wisconsin, and they're using it to make toilet seats for Kohler. Okay. Right about 1965, Bemis and Kohler... Yeah. They mold some of that wood pulpy shit into a Mustang-shaped Kalamazoo guitar body. No kidding. That is what this guitar is made out of. Oh, okay. This is essentially a Masonite guitar body. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I did not really realize that Masonite was a wood. I guess I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that still used today, that process? Oh, sure. It's different than press board. Well, that's the thing. When you say press board and you said fiber board, those are, in fact, other names for it. Over the years, it had all kinds of trade names and market names, but it's all essentially Masonite. Sure. I will tell you one thing, Ed. Oh, tell me. I don't know if you're going to like it, though. Mm. Okay. The family that old Bill Mason married into with all the wood out there in Wisconsin? Yeah. They had other holdings Mm -hmm. in another state, and that state is where the Masonite company ended up putting down roots. I imagine that it is in New Jersey. No. It's in Mississippi? It is. (laughs) Oh, my God. Laurel, Mississippi. In my brain, it's like, there's no way it's this bad. There's no way. (laughs) 1924, he got the patent Sure. in Laurel, Mississippi. And I'm thinking, what the fuck was Laurel, Mississippi like in 1924? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Ugh. Gross. So they made the bodies out of Masonite. How many guitars nowadays are made out of, like, wood byproduct like that? Well, the Dan Electros, right? Are the Jerry Jones ones? Yeah, yeah. Are they? Yeah. I love a nice Masonite tone wood. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. What effect were you using for that uh, cool time warp sound? Yeah. What I have here, Ed, is the Tysco delay pedal. Is 
Is that the same setting that you were using the other way, just slamming it a little more? Yes. Okay. I played with that pedal a little bit too. Did you notice you can get it into that almost bit crushy? I did, yeah. It does have modulation built into it and it does have an exaggerated feedback functionality. Let's see if I can get something else on here, hold on. Yeah, so that's like super usable, right? That pedal goes into Wacky Land. Pretty easily. Yeah. Should I take it to Wacky Land? Sure, yeah. Sure. So you take the modulation that it can do and you crank up the feedback so it just starts looping into itself. That's where like the bit crush side of it comes in, where if you just let that go and then let it decay out, it turns into this like super gritty sound. that rumble underneath you can play with that level and you can actually get that rumble louder that <laughs> that's the thing that i was playing with it i dig that a lot yep of course the dirt is brought to you by our good friends at 1981 inventions the drv pedal our go-to yeah so yeah now this thing is out this kalamazoo kg shaped like a mustang yep they're trying to key into that entry market yeah did it work no it did really yeah you know they only made it till about 1969 so 65 to 69 four years how many do you think they sold in four years 414 24,000. <laughs> it was maybe a little popular they were just cranking out so many guitars back then yeah 24,000 of that guitar. That's in all the flavors. You know, the one pickup, the two pickup, and with and without the Vibrola, and also uh, they made a bass. You just don't really see Kalamazoo guitars. Towards the end of that kind of four-year run, they had moved over to making it primarily the kind of SG shape. But of course, then by 69, they were out anyway. So by virtue of that kind of chronology, there aren't as many of the SG shaped ones as there are of the Mustang shaped ones. Sure. This guitar also came in the exact same colors that the Mustang came in, red, white, or blue. They named their colors, the Gibson boys. Okay. The one that I have here is the blue one, the light blue. They call it Las Vegas Blue. Oh, that's a cool name. <laughs> yeah. The 60s Las Vegas Blue. That's dope. I really like the color of that guitar a lot. And you know what? I am impressed. This thing sounds really good. I suppose it should. It's got all the components 
of a more expensive Gibson, like a Melody Maker, same pickups and everything, I like it. If I didn't already have a Mustang, I'd grab this. Huh. And these are still affordable viewers. How much do you think it was when it came out? Yeah. $114. (laughs) What is that? In today dollars, $884. I was way off. Way off. $884. Yeah, that is a cheap guitar for back then. I wonder what Epaphroditus would think. He would be blown away. You know what I'm saying? Old Epaphroditus. Yep. It grinds up pretty well uh, under that uh, DRV. Man. (laughs) Where's that guitar sit on your guitar list? Like you said, you've got a Mustang, so you don't really need it. Right. Like I said, if I didn't have the Mustang, I'd, I'd probably grab this for a guitar that was meant to be entry-level style Yeah, in 1965. It has aged well, and I'm bullish on this. Yeah. Bullish is good, right? I'm bottom 10%, John. Are you? Maybe it's a little higher than that because of the color, because I think it looks super cool, but I don't think I love it. That's me. That's Ed. Yeah. Here's the thing, Ed. Okay. This is a Mustang. That's both pickups on in phase. Out of phase, baby. Come on. Okay, out of phase. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Mustang sounds better. Not surprising. It feels better. It feels more substantial. It definitely does not feel like a student model. Yeah. So, yeah, if it was down to Kalamazoo or Mustang, Mustang. Yeah. But if I was at, like, some, you know, like, barn sale in Appalachia, and uh, there was a Kalamazoo sitting back there, and somebody was like, yeah, will you give me 20 bucks for it? Sure I will. (laughs) (laughs) That is just a weird line, but sure, yeah. If you find yourself in a backwoods Appalachia, where were you? Barn sale. A barn sale. Appalachian barn sale. Yeah. For $20? Yeah, take it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Are you back on the Kalamazoo? No, this is a Mustang still. God damn it. I was like, ooh, that sounds really good. I'm going to go back to the Kalamazoo. The pickups are hotter on the Mustang. Yeah, and I think that the Kalamazoo is noisier, but yeah, as we mentioned earlier, that's probably an easy thing to fix. I will take a picture of the Kalamazoo next to the Mustang. Yeah, I'm super into that Las Vegas blue. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of that, Ed? What do you think of that dive into uh, the low end of the Gibson pool? I loved it, John. We talked about how you make wood and stuff. That was fun. Blow it apart? Yeah, yeah. Blowing wood apart. Yeah. Where are we, John? Where can people find us? You could go to the website, which is www.thehighgain.com. Sure. You could probably go to the Twitter. You could go to Twitter. You could go to Instagram. Instagram's probably the best. Uh, except for Pinterest. 
Pinterest is also really good. And LinkedIn. <laughs> of course. And Facebook. Yes. And send us a mail, thehighgamepod at gmail.com. We love that. We are one episode away from two years. So to celebrate, you should probably head over to patreon.com slash thehighgame and tell us how stoked you are to be our friends. Okay, thanks, John. Okay, thanks, Ed.